listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning, Oasis family. Good morning. I love the response. (laughs) This morning, our text is coming from the Gospel of John, chapter 4. And it reads, So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink of me, a a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share the the thing in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do I get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestors Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his son and his flock drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up in eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that this place where people meet must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me. The hour is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then the disciples came. They were astonished that he, had, he was speaking to a woman. But no one said, what do you want? Or why are you speaking to her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who has sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say, Four months more, then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. 
For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into that labor. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed for two days and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. For we have heard it ourselves. Amen. Good morning. This is weird. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, this is great. I don't get to do this much. I'm usually doing that. Uh, I'm much more nervous doing this. I can sing anything. I, I mean, I can't sing anything, but I'm happy to sing anything and not get nervous. But this is a different. This is a different story altogether. Say hi, everybody. Say hi to Robbie and Angela and everybody in Israel right now. It's about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, 5 o'clock in the afternoon over there. They are walking where Jesus walked. It's so cool. Um, it is an honor for me to be here and to do this with you every time I get to do it. It's so exciting. Um, and any questions that are raised by what I'm about to say can be directed to, write this down, rwaddell at oasischurch.com. O-R-G, R. Waddell, I always say, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I love this story. The story that Kevin just read from us is from John chapter 4, and we know it as uh, the woman at the well or the Samaritan woman. Um, who's heard this story before? Raise your hand. Actually, let's say, raise your hand. No shame. No shame in the room. Everybody just say, no shame. Raise your hand if you've never heard this story before. Okay, all right, good, good, okay, good, good, good. Perfect, so we're going to learn some things about this story today for the first time, uh, but we're also going to hear some things that we've heard quite a few times for most of us. Um, but I want to call the message today the gravity of love. And um, I, I thought of that title because of a song that we're going to hear a little bit later. Um, but I thought of that song because of a quote that I heard that goes so well with this, we're gonna hear in just a little bit. So just some things to note about the story before we dive in to three points that I have to share really quickly this morning. I'm gonna say really quickly a bunch of times because that's how I'm gonna to try to speak. I'm gonna to try to be brief. <laughs> um, just before this passage of text in John chapter four, we see a story about Nicodemus. And there's a story about Nicodemus in John chapter 3. And Nicodemus, if you don't know the story, Nicodemus is a Pharisee. He goes to Jesus in the nighttime. And he asks Jesus, uh, I know I've heard your teachings. And no one can teach the things that you teach unless they're from God. So explain to me, what do you mean? And Jesus tells him, you must be born again. And he says, born again, I'm an old man. And you may have heard the story. And uh, he's confounded. But it's where we get the most, one of the most famous, if not the most famous scripture in the Bible, John 3.16, which says, 
for God so loved the world that if that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting exactly so we get that scripture Jesus is saying that to Nicodemus but what I want to talk about we're going to come back to that we're going to come back to that but we have that story right before this story that we're going to talk about today about the Samaritan woman and I think it's so important because it's important to understand not only what we see Jesus doing in the scripture, but how we see him doing it and who we see him doing it with and when we see him doing it, right? So we're going to look at a couple of quick things before we get into our story. We're going to look at a little contrast between Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman. So we just heard the text from Kevin. He read the story about Jesus sitting down by Jacob's well in the middle of the day. It was noon, high noon, daytime, the middle of the day. So we see Nicodemus in the story right before this coming to Jesus in the nighttime. We know Nicodemus' name. We see the Samaritan woman coming to Jesus in the middle of the day. We don't know her name. Nicodemus is a man. We know his name. He's coming in the nighttime. The Samaritan woman is a woman. We don't know her name. It comes in the middle of the day. Just keep that in mind. Um, Nicodemus knows Jesus. He's heard of Jesus, obviously. Jesus and the Pharisees have a very fraught relationship at this point. The Jews are aware, we'll say, of Jesus at this point in the text. But questions what Jesus is saying. And we see the woman who does not know Jesus, doesn't recognize him, but immediately hears him speak and recognizes him as the Messiah in the text. The Nicodemus story is worth reading. It's, again, where we find this, this famous verse, John 3.16. More on that in a minute. We'll come back to that. But most of all, what I want you to take away this morning is that this story the story in John chapter 4 about the Samaritan woman is a story about healing. It's a story about love. And it's a story about breaking shame in the life of this woman. And the healing that comes from that and the love that flows from that. And I, I believe that that is the living water that Jesus is talking about. She was not planning to meet Jesus that day. She wasn't planning to meet anybody that day. Okay, which brings me to that first point. My first point today, I've got three points. Everybody say three points. All right, 18 minutes. We can do it. I'm not, I'm not going to take that long. Watch. First point, Jesus meets us where we are. So this is so interesting. Oh, I meant to put a map on the screen. I'm going to use my hands. Okay, so Jesus is going from Jerusalem to Galilee. So I say Jerusalem to Galilee. You got to go through Samaria to get to Galilee. What Jews would do is go around Samaria. They would cross, they would cross, there's a, the Jordan River right here runs along Samaria. They would cross the Jordan River, go alongside it, and then cross it again just to walk around Samaria, right? 
Jesus didn't do that this day. He walked through and sat down right in the middle at Sychar at Jacob's well. Jacob's well is mentioned, okay, so that's in, in verse 5. It says, so he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. It's very hot at noon. The sun is out. It's beating down. Jesus is walking. There's no cars. He doesn't have a driver. He's very tired. So he's walked a long way. It's a long way from Jerusalem to Galilee. He's walking. So he, he sits down at Jacob's well, and he wants a drink. He doesn't have anything to draw water. He goes out of his way. He goes out of his Jewish way by taking a more direct way. Does that make sense? So he's supposed to go around, but he goes straight through Samaria. This is no, no bueno. This is not what he's supposed to do. But he does it. The woman he finds at the well, he finds her drawing water at noon. Now, this is interesting because most women drew water in that time, in the evening time. Women would draw water. That was part of their responsibility in the household. They would go draw water from the wells, rivers, whatever, in the evening time because it was cooler. But this woman is drawing water at noon. I think because she is hiding. I think she doesn't want to see anyone. I think she's going out of her way to go at noon. I'm just proposing that. They are both simultaneously in the wrong place at the right time. Right? So Jesus is in Samaria. He's got an appointment with this lady. She is at the well in the middle of the day. We'll find out why in just a minute. He says that he is who she thinks he is, but not because of why she thinks it. It's better. So she is a Samaritan. Samaritans are a mix of people who were born out of the Assyrian conquest of the Jews in the 700 BCs, back, way, way back, when the Jews were conquered by Assyria, driven out, and then the Assyrians captured the Jewish people, the Israelites, and they procreated and then created this race of people called the Samaritans. And then they were here, and the Jews did not agree with kind of the mix of theology that was created by this Assyrian religion and this Jewish religion that kind of melded into one. So the Samaritans believed in Moses and believed in the prophet Moses, but didn't really follow the teachings of the other prophets. They believed that there would be another prophet um, they believed that that prophet would come and tell of their redemption, right? So it's kind of Jewish theology, but it has this mix of like Assyrian 
you know, idolatry, that kind of thing. So that's why the Jews and the Samaritans didn't really mix, you know. So when he says, I am who you say I am, she's like, oh, you're the prophet that Moses told us would come, right? Because he tells her, he reads her mail, kind of. says, no, you, you have had five husbands. You're right when you say you don't have a husband. Remember when Kevin read that part? That part's a little spicy. <laughs> You've had five husbands, and you're with someone now, and he's not your husband, number six. Which might be why she's trying to avoid the rest of those ladies at the well in the evening time. You know what I mean? Now, I want, I want to pause here because I think a lot of times, I think the Samaritan woman gets a really bad rap here with the five husbands. Women back in this time weren't going around divorcing husbands and picking men and getting like with different men and doing that. This was, I, I, I have a hard time believing that narrative about this woman. This woman, more, more than likely, this woman, there's, it's not in the text, so I'm speculating here, okay? Everybody say, okay, this is Carol's version. <laughs> Carol's version. This is, the, this is the CSV, Carol's Standard Version. Um, more than likely, one or more of her husbands had died. One or more of her husbands had divorced her because she was barren. One or more of her husbands had divorced her because she was accused of something that she either did or didn't do. And so she is either being gossiped about because of those rumors, grieving the loss of a husband, or grieving barrenness and abandonment by someone who took care of her and was her, her, her manner of provision in this time. Well, I don't know if you knew this, but women didn't have a lot of power back in this time. <laughs> we can laugh about it now. Um, one of those three things, or a mix of those things, was happening for this woman. And so Jesus meets this woman, and she's not some bedazzled Jezebel at the well at noonday, flipping her hair back and forth and clack-a-lacking her jewelry down the well because she's thirsty. She is avoiding ridicule and shame and judgment, I think, just from what I'm reading. Um, So Jesus meeting her here, he's meeting a woman who has experienced some form of hurt and shame and judgment. And Jesus is saying, I don't know if you've heard this. I don't know if you've heard This is kind of a heavy one. Is everyone okay? This is kind of a heavy one. We're going to be all right. It's going to end up all right. Touch somebody on the shoulder and say, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right, live stream. I don't know if you've heard this, but everything that happens to us in our lifetime, whether it's emotional trauma 
or spiritual trauma or a word of abuse or an experience we have that shames us. It happens to us mentally. It happens to us spiritually. It happens to us emotionally. But guess where we are when that happens to us? We're in our bodies. All that stuff happens to us while we're in our bodies. And so at this well, Jesus meets this woman, and he says, whew, I'm thirsty. Can I have a drink from your jug? And she says, me? I'm a Samaritan. Aren't you a Jew? He's like, yeah. And she says, you're not supposed to drink out of my jar. And he's like, I'm thirsty. And she says, but, 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 um, Jews don't drink out of Samaritan jars. And she keeps going and going and going and saying to him the story that's been told to her over and over and over. But this is why we are not supposed to be together. This is why we are not supposed to mingle. This is why my body is not good. And Jesus is saying in this story with his body in Sychar at the well, that her place, where she is, is good. And it's not about Jerusalem when he talks about worshiping in spirit and in truth. He says God is spirit, so we have to worship in spirit and in truth. It's not about Jerusalem. It's not about Mount Gerizim where your ancestors worshiped. It's about where you are. Because later on we'll find out that our what? bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? And so Jesus goes through Samaria and he parks it at Jacob's well and he says, your place is good. I want a drink. Which brings me to point number two. Jesus accepts us as we are. So number one, Jesus meets us where we are. And number two, Jesus accepts us as we are. Jesus starts with what she thinks she wants when she hears that he has living water that she'll never be thirsty ever again. She says, if you have water that's going to make me never be thirsty again, give it to me. I'll never thirst again, and I never have to come back here and draw water. I never have to see anyone. I never have to talk to these people ever again. Yeah, I'll never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Give me that. And he's like, I have what you really need, what you're really longing for, which is not another provider, not another husband. Because here's another interesting thing. Oh, this is really crazy. Are you ready for this? You ready? You're not ready. <laughs> okay. Does anyone remember a story in the Bible where Jacob's well is mentioned? It's actually Joseph's well, and it's why it's called Jacob's well. Hint, hint. Okay, I'm going to tell you. It's a story in Genesis, yeah, where Jacob is looking for a wife, right? And he goes to his father, Joseph. He says, I need a wife. I need a wife. He says, go out to the well. And the first woman you see there drawing water, she will be your bride. Ask her for a drink and she'll be your bride. It's this beautiful story. 
Um, go read it sometime. But that's the story of Jacob's well. Well, it started a tradition in, you know, Jewish tradition. The, the Jewish faith and religion has like a rich, rich history of just oral tradition that's been handed down and passed down and passed down. And this well traditionally has been a place where people would court each other or go to, you know, meet their betrothed for the first time or whatever. And so this woman, I think it's like kind of romantic or whatever, that this woman in this story, you can laugh. I'm sorry. I know it's kind of a heavy sermon. I should have put like more funny stories or something. Um, it's kind of cool that this woman who's had five husbands and the one that the man that she's with now is not her husband goes to Jacob's well in the middle of the day to avoid everyone and finds the bridegroom at the well thirsty for water and she's the only one with a pitcher right and so Jesus is there waiting for her and he has something for her and he's saying, I have something for you, and it's better than the other six that you've tried. It's better. It's better. I'm not going to ridicule you. Yeah, I know. I, I know. I know about those other five. I know about number six. I know I said go get them. Don't, don't get them. I have living water, and you'll never be thirsty ever again. It's better. He knows she's a Samaritan. He doesn't care. He talks to her. He wants to drink from her jar. This is bigger than all of that. Jesus knows that she's unmarried. She's had five husbands. He doesn't care. This is bigger than all of that. This is the work of true religion. It takes what we think we need, brings us to the table for that, and shows us what we really need, right? And not only does it show us what we really need, it shows us that it's not the work of religion. It's the work of the Holy Spirit, right? The work of the Holy Spirit is the work that draws us to the table, says, I have, sure, here's some water, like in Exodus 17, which we'll talk about, like Kevin, uh, not Kevin, who read the call to worship? Danny. Like Danny referenced in the call to worship at Meribah, God's like, okay, here's some water, hit the rod. But I have something better. This is what you think you need, but I have something better. And then here's point number three, okay? So point number one, Jesus meets us where we are. Point number two, Jesus accepts us as we are. Point number three, Jesus uses who we are. I'm going to be super honest. This whole sermon that I'm going to finish in one minute and 50 seconds is, watch, is all about point number three, okay? Jesus uses who we are. The power of shame is completely broken in her life when she encounters the love and acceptance and the meeting and the presence of Jesus in her space. He's waiting there for her. And she was not planning on meeting him there. But she came and she saw him. 
and she said yes. Brene Brown says that shame can only exist when there are three things. Silence and secrecy and judgment. This woman goes in the middle of the day so that she won't see anybody else at the well. And it turns out Jesus is the only one at the well. He's not supposed to be there. Talk about secrecy. She's at the well and she's like, who are you? And he's like, go get your husband. And she's like, I don't have a husband. And he's like, oh, I know you don't have a husband. You've had five. She's keeping all that a secret. She's not telling everyone her business. Her business has been what? The third thing that's needed for shame to thrive. She's been judged, relentlessly judged by her community. But Jesus has come and has loved her and broken the power of shame in her life. And so what happens is this idea in Romans chapter 5. I want to read this together. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. God's love has been poured into our hearts. This is another one of our lectionary texts today. And if you don't know what the lectionary is, it's the texts that we preach from. It's a grouping of scriptures. Today our texts are John chapter 4. Romans chapter 5, Exodus 17, which we'll talk about in a minute. But Romans chapter 5 talks about love being poured into our hearts. And I find that so interesting on a week where we're talking about water at the well. Her heart has been so full of husband number one, number two, number three, broken heart. Broken, broken, broken. Number four, number five. Oh, here's number six. Not even my husband. Oh, here's all the voices of everyone and all the things that they have to say about all of that. And here's all this love being poured into my heart. All of a sudden, I don't. Where are those voices? Right? This is the quote that gave me This is the quote that I just wanted to stand up here and basically read and then just walk away. Um, This is from Father Richard Rohr. And it's from his book called The Universal Christ. It says, love allows and accommodates everything in human experience, both the good and the bad. And nothing else can really do this. Nothing. Love flows unstoppably downward around every obstacle like what? water. Love and water seek not the higher place, but always the lower. That's why forgiveness is often the most powerful display of love in action. Unforgiveness lives in a repetitive past, which it cannot let go of. But forgiveness is a largeness of soul without which there is no future or creative action, only repetition of old storylines, remembered hurts, and ever-increasing claims of victimhood for all concerned. An eagerness and a readiness to love is the ultimate freedom and future. 
People formed by such love are indestructible. It's through that love, Augustine of Hippo says, it's through that love that we are conformed to God and being so conformed and made like him and set apart from the world, we are no longer confounded by those things which should be subject to us. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. Amen? This is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's that love being poured into our hearts that silences the voice of judgment, that silences shame in our life. It breaks it off of us, and we are indestructible. And you know what happens? We are so full of the love of God that it pours out of us and spills out onto everyone else. The living water that Jesus offers is the unfailing, heart-changing love of God. The simultaneous seeing and being seen by God breaks the cycle of shame in her life. She runs back to the very community she's trying to avoid. She runs back to them and she says, come and see, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. I don't care what you think about me. Could this be him? Could it be? And she asks them to come and see. And they're invited to come and experience what she's experienced. And she doesn't care anymore about what's happening in the past. She's all, she's full steam ahead now, right? And this woman is the very first evangelist in the scripture. She saves her whole community. This, this leads me back to that, remember I talked about Nicodemus at the beginning of this story, about John 3.16, God to love the world. I'm almost done, I'm sorry. Um, this leads me back to John 3.16, but the verse right after that and the following verses are what I want to focus on. It says, indeed God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. I just want to look at the message translation for those last two verses. Listen really carefully. It's not on the screen. Everyone who makes a practice of doing evil, addicted to denial and illusion, hates God light and won't come near it, fearing painful exposure. But anyone working and living in truth and reality welcomes God light so the work can be seen for the God work it is. You can either fear exposure and hold on to your ego and hold on to your story, or you can say, you know what, I'm gonna step into the light. 
and I'm going to let you see the freedom that I'm experiencing in the light because it's not, it's not my work that's happening. It's the work of God. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. The work of God is love and love casts out fear and breaks down shame. The gravity of love is what draws us. The Samaritan woman went to the well that day expecting to meet no one, hoping to meet no one, but love had an appointment with her. You may not know why you're here. It may just be the next thing in your agenda. You may already be thinking about where you need to go next, where you'll be after this tomorrow or next week. But if we just, if we close our eyes and just give ourselves a moment to allow love, and if God is love, then we can allow God to meet us here. In this moment, I think we will realize the exact same thing that the Samaritan woman did, that Jesus is waiting with hope ready to heal every wound, ready to take every bit of shame and fear and hopelessness that would steal our hearts. All we have to do is allow that love to sink down, like Father Richard Rohr says, into the deepest, darkest parts of our hearts and minds and cast its light there. It's painful, vulnerable work. But just like he said, people formed by such work are indestructible. Right? God is love. And we are made in the Imago Dei. We are made in the image of God. Then we are made for love. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.